is a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 9th, 2008. The newcomers, as I always say at the beginning of the show, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com where you can find lots of previous talks dealing with this vast array of what we call today the New World Order, which simply is just an upgrade of the Old World Order run by the same people or their descendants, and look into alanwattsentientcentral.eu for transcripts which you can print up and pass around to people that you think might have a chance of waking up. Don't waste your time on those who don't want to know. You cannot make people know. It's a decision that they have not to see. It's a, a, a real decision, and we have to respect that. And you'll also be doing yourselves a favor because you have so much energy, only so much energy to put out there, put it out wisely. The people that have a chance of waking up or are asking basic questions and don't overload them. We are really rampaging ahead with this pincer movement. It's a pincer movement from so many directions. In fact, it's coming from everything that you need for personal survival. Your food has been taken over. The whole food supply of the planet has been taken over a long time ago. You're, you're finding the gasoline's going up, so everything in the stores is skyrocketing. This is all on the agenda. And they published this a long, long time ago, what they do to bring us into Agenda 21. That's the United Nations Agenda for the 21st century, where everyone will be living in these overcrowded habitat areas, which is just the existing large cities. But, of course, just like the Soviet system, those who serve it well, the educators, the, the, bureaucracy, the bureaucracy, etc., they'll live out in the country in these new, and they have, they have them up for sale for some of them, they have these new houses that are energy efficient and filled with solar panels and that they're guarded, etc., for the very wealthy. This is already underway. And people are going into shock when they realize that everything they need to exist in this system as it stands is outside of their control. And that's a, a real shock for most people. You have other ones who really want to stop what's happening, but they haven't figured out where they're going to go with it. Because you cannot keep a system that was never yours in the first place. The previous system and even the previous generation system was designed and run and controlled by the same elite. And as you've noticed for the last, last 50, 60 years, we're being degraded and degraded and degraded into society which is non-functional anyway. You can't save something which is totally broken. And you have to decide where you would go with this. If, we are, if any of us come through this, where you'd go with it and what kind of society you'd have. That's never asked. 
These questions are never asked. There's of prime importance. You can't, for instance, demand that all the factories come back to the USA. And would you really want that anyway? Our parents worked in factories their whole lives, many of them, or in mines and so on. And that those were not, I mean, what kind of an existence tied to conveyor belts? The very system now that China is going through their industrial revolution, we passed a long time ago. And that was not civilization either. Not my, from my perspective, but it was from those who controlled the system and owned all the factories. So we have to start thinking where we'd go with this. We're back with more after the following messages. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And I've been mentioning the fact that people are going into shock when they realize that everything that they took for normal, this particular society in this age, with this culture, was all quite natural. Now, this wasn't just taken over a little while ago by some bad guys. The bad guys were always there, deciding the next hundred years and the next hundred years and so on. Yet, they're, they're really rushing ahead, steamrolling ahead to get the Agenda 21. This is for the agenda, remember, for the 21st century, United Nations Agenda for the 21st century. A few years ago, the UN put out a call for all cities, major cities, to become super cities, to start expanding and amalgamating all the smaller ones. After all, centralization is essential for total control. And that's what we're going into. And the big boys have planned for this for a long, long time, long before we even had the Agenda 21 given to the public to read. By building up the forces necessary to contain people, the forces that will contain the riots, which they know will break out. And they're published in the Department of Defense in Britain. It's on the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. 30 years of escalating riots as they go through a transition phase from one part of a system, one time of a system, to the next time or age of a system. And that's when, of course, they have hoped to have the transhumanists in full steam, where they can create new part cyborgs or even completely clone people from scratch, designer, designer workers. That's what they're talking about. Now, how is it that guys like Plato 2,300 years ago in his book, The Republic, Republic says that uh, he, he, he could easily, by especially breeding people, make them very tall to pick trees, apples from trees, or make them very short and squat for miners and so on, by simply selecting the right mates and inbreeding them, as you do domesticated animals. But isn't that amazing that this agenda has never, ever altered? And then you saw it breaking out again in Alexandria in the Neoplatonist schools. The same agenda of an elite, an elite, an intellectual elite, who looked around the world and thought it was just too imperfect, and humans were too imperfect. And that's where the whole idea came out, or it was reborn, you might say, an old, an even older religion, of what we term loosely today the Illuminati, because all those in the ancient mystery schools became illumined. And they all believed that they were superior creatures 
and they had the right to dominate the lesser and remake the world in its own image. It's always been the same agenda. And the problem down through the ages, since the beginning of money and cities, that's the artificial creation, you'll find all the allegories in the stories of Nimrod. They're all allegories of the system. You create a city-state. A city-state cannot feed itself. It must bring food in. It must have something to exchange for that food, and they have nothing to make or barter with, so they create money. When they have money, they have a standing army employed. They go off and conquer the rural peoples and force them to use money too. It's been a, a con game from the beginning. And we're at the, ed, the end of this particular stage. And they want us all crammed in the cities because in a city, you can really change culture quickly. People are adaptable, as Plato said, very adaptable. They adapt so quickly that they don't really take notice, conscious notice of their adaptations. And that their memory is so short, they can't remember what happened or how they lived a few years ago, most of them. They simply adapt and adapt. And in a city, those who control the culture can, can change it so quickly, knowing that people will adapt very quickly. So anything can be made to be normal. And we have that today. Big players like Charles Galton Darwin talked about the cities and how they're completely unnatural and debasing, but they can make the people they can make the people begin to like them. And how do they do that? They make it sound exciting to young people. For fifty, sixty years, Hollywood has been pumping out movies and to do with teenagers and so on, especially in the city. That's where all the action is. And here's all the guys in the farms watching these movies since the fifties thinking, boy, that is where the action is. I'm going off there. Once they're there, they used to get married. They'd have children. They're caught in the trap of the city. They can't get out of it. They're up their eyes in debt, paying off their rent and so on. They're tied to some job there. And so the city is a trap. It keeps them there. All intentional because in ancient times even, they wanted to contain the people to manage them much more easily. Rural people are hard to be dominated they don't like being dominated. They have a, a natural independence that comes with being close to the soil. So how are they going to contain the people in the cities? What are they going to do? They're already doing the combat training. And this article is from the IndyStar.com. That's the Indianapolis Star. May the 28th. Marines bringing combat training to Indy. It's a handout, too, to the media. You can tell by the way it's written. Everything today is handouts given by PR experts. U.S. Marine helicopters will land at the old Eastgate Consumer Mall, Brookside Park, and other Indianapolis locations when the city becomes a mock battlefield next week. About 2,300 Marines from the 26th Marine Expeditionary Unit based at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, will conduct urban warfare training from Wednesday through June 19 in and around Indianapolis. Most of the troops were deployed at the Indiana State Fairgrounds and the Rayathon. Rayathon's a big company involved in the military-industrial complex. The Rayathon facility on Holt Road, said Debbie Fletcher of the Indianapolis Marion County Emergency Management Agency. Now, if you listen to this, we don't want anyone thinking that there's an invasion happening or that we declared martial law or something like that, Fletcher said. And uh, to jump down here, it says, 
Our aim in Indianapolis is to expose the Marines to realistic scenarios and stresses posed by operating in an actual urban community, thereby increasing their proficiency in built-up areas, Colonel Mark J. Dessens, commander of the 26th MEU, said in a statement. Some of the activities will take place around Camp Atterbury. Residents in many areas can expect to see helicopters flying overhead, military vehicles on the roads, and Marines patrolling on foot. It says here the Marines will practice firing weapons, conducting patrols, running vehicle checkpoints. So here you are, here's the military doing vehicle checkpoints, reacting to ambushes, and employing non-lethal weapons, according to a state. Now, how do you practice with non-lethal weapons? Hmm? In addition to Eastgate and Brookside Park, Indianapolis offered the Marines 24 other training sites, including Raymond Park Middle School, Ellenburg Park, uh, Christian Park, Southeast Park, the Old Bush Stadium, and Douglas Park. It goes on to say, however, not all cities are so open to the training, thank goodness, but they will be eventually as they buy off the, the leaders. In February, after first cancelling scheduled training, Toledo, Ohio, Mayor Carty Finkbeiner invites the Marines to train the city, but outside the downtown area. So here they are training them for urban warfare because, you see, everyone in society is designated as a potential terrorist. Now, what do they mean, what do they mean by potential terrorist? When the food goes and they turn off the water and create all the different panics and crises that they've already said they will make them do, they publish this stuff, then everyone, with their backs to the wall, will become a terrorist. If they, if they start to say, no, I will not do this, I will not follow these orders, I will not go where you tell me to, I won't bend over. You're a potential terrorist. And that's what the whole 9-11 scenario was for. It was to kick off, it was to kick off this whole Agenda 21. To kick it right off. And the whole world went into action in unison. Bigger things have happened across the planet. But the whole world for this one went into action and signed the same anti-terrorist laws which took years to draft up and years to negotiate with other countries to get them all to go along with it. But they all went, in, went through with it, right, just like that. That tells you we were already international a long time ago. long time ago. And people are always looking for a sudden ending to things. I don't know if it's just a Western psychology or a leftover from a Christian revelations type uh, indoctrination but they don't realize that the world is always changing look at all the changes all through your life and all the different aspects around you we've all lived through the recent the fairly recent immigration of all the corporations to China we all lived through the recent suddenly everything's imported and made in China we've all lived through it and no one, very few people, asked any questions. They didn't ask questions because they're unable to reason for themselves, as Mr. Brzezinski said in his own book. They expect the media to reason things out for them. And the media's job is, is not really too much to do that. They'll keep you diverted and reason other trivia out to you, but it won't give you the big picture. That's not their job. The media is an essential arm of governmental control and international control. 
Look at the money that's pumped into Hollywood from the Pentagon alone. Why would the Pentagon be pumping money into Hollywood? They're one of the best customers for Hollywood with all their war movies. And not just the war movies, all the sci-fi movies too that give you predictive programming. And the heroes always have special powers that you can only get through a brain chip or being part of cyborg. We're programmed in so many ways, but mainly through fiction to make it familiar to us on a subconscious level. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi, this is Alan Watt, Cutting Through the Matrix. The Matrix is everything you take for granted and think that everything is normal. It's the whole system around you. It's the system that brings your food to the restaurants and to the stores. And it's the system that brings the money to your home. It's a system that takes it away out of your home again. It's everything you think is a normal way of living. And all cultures are artificial in this day and age we don't have natural cultures except unless you go into maybe the Amazon and find a few what's called primitive cultures or arrested civilizations that derogatory term which means generally they're self-sufficient they make all that they need to live on and they don't want to improve anything that's called arrested development in uh, the, 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 the ethnologists etc who study them they don't like them very much because they won't fit in to the system and take money and end up working eight to five or six or whatever or at weekends or doing shift work turn this odd thing called money that keeps getting devalued and the boys at the top can tell you what it's worth and, and half it half its purchasing power anytime they want or put down to a tenth of the purchasing outside your control again is to make you further depend depend or embed into the system that's why they have these fear tactics and that's why they make sure that you're never in charge of anything you need personally for survival we've been at war for a long long time and we didn't know it because it was declared from one side but not openly to the public we are the enemy humanity supposedly is the enemy and that was dreamed up, of course, this whole environmental scam and we're causing the damage to the planet and, oh my goodness, we're breathing all this CO2 out and we're getting global warming. And that was published, and I've mentioned it before, in the first global revolution, printed in the 90s. But they're, they're, the authors of the book tell you they dreamed up the idea at the Club of Rome, at the think tank, the main think tank for guiding the world and its cons, Back in 1972, they said they convinced society that they're the problem, that there's too many of them, and, and it would create a wartime mode fighting ourselves as we try and save nature. You see, it's not always going to depopulate the planet. And it, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, we must acquiesce to every demand and help this agenda along for this to succeed. It can't do it without our help. It cannot do it. And most people, because they're scared and terrified of losing friends, family, or whatever, or being ridiculed, 
and the fact that they are basic cowards will not stand up not only for someone else's rights but even for their own rights they won't stand up we have to accept that most people are cowards and they will go to their doom if need be in a state of abject disbelief like all those before them in the 20th century that were lined up in firing squads either in Europe or Latin America each one will do what they're told they'll run into the trenches they'll actually run to their doom knowing what's going to happen but believing this cannot be happening to me this will not it is not happening bang and it's over disbelief the greater the level of dependence on the system the easier it is to take it all down that was said thousands of years ago in Greece they knew all of this then Nazi Germany was the height the height of the scientific world level they led it in fact and that's why no one believed when it first started what was happening that it, that it could possibly happen there we are so civilized they thought and that's happening here too people believe they're so civilized when they're cutting the edge of something science that's what they mean by civilization advancement in sciences science has no emotion whatsoever science is not human it's anti-human certainly all the sciences we see being used on the people today we put more money into weaponry to control all of us even our minds psychotronic warfare to control billions of people across the planet than we do on relief for anyone to save people why is that most folk don't care and the fact is too the small bunch at the top are making sure they have all the big toys to use they'd never want to lose control the next part of the culture for the next 30 years is to dumb people down even quicker into an even lower level than they've already done since the 60s you don't want a smart well-informed literate society who can verbalize things to each other and ideas and communicate as you're taking it down to the next level you want to create linguistic minimalism and that's been achieved already in some quarters here is an article from the mail on this very subject it says drop middle class academic subject says school advisor this was on June the 4th 2008 children should no longer be taught traditional subjects at school because they are middle class creations a government advisor this is no just ordinary little advisor here a government advisor will claim today and I'll tell you who this guy is and you'll be shocked at what he says or maybe not some of you are wiser back with more after this break You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, 
Hi, this is Alan Watt cutting through the matrix and talking about the, the next stage of the dumbing down process because those who will go through this new system in schooling, and this is starting in Britain, but it will be the same across Canada, the States, and everywhere else. Britain always is the leader in this field of, of creating culture and of using forms of middle or mind control. From the Daily Mail, it says, Children should no longer be taught traditional subjects at school because they are middle-class creations, a government advisor will claim today. Professor John White, who contributed to a controversial shake-up of the secondary curriculum, believes lessons should instead cover a series of personal skills. People would no longer study history, geography, and science. Now, I understand geography because they keep changing the country so fast now with all the wars. And science, but learn skills. Now, skills such as energy saving, this is indoctrination, plain and simple, energy saving and civic responsibility through projects and themes. Civic responsibility. Now remember at the top, at least at the top of this, this particular pyramid, there's a few of them, these pyramids, each specialized. You have the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And in their earliest writings, they said their job was to create the perfect society that will serve the state. They meant the world state. Serve the state. And here you have them training a generation who are going to go through the major changes from one system to another system. Completely different system coming up. And you'll be taught these skills such as energy saving and civic responsibility. That's a that term, you see, can be exploded into a thousand different directions. It means indoctrination, pure and simple, through projects and themes. He will outline his theories at a conference today staged by London's Institute of Education, to which he's affiliated to mark the 20th anniversary of the, the national curriculum. Last night's critics attacked his ideas as deeply corrosive and condemned the government for allowing him to advise on a new curriculum. So the government's put this guy in charge of it, you see. So this is a, a must-be, they call it. It's going to happen. Professor White will claim ministers are already moving in the right direction towards realizing his vision of replacing subjects with a series of personal aims for pupils. But he says he must go further because traditional subjects were invented by the middle classes and are mere stepping stones to wealth. Which is a, a big joke. Professor believes the origins of our subject-based education system can be traced back to the 19th century middle-class values. While public schools focused largely on the classics and elementary schools for the working class concentrated on the three R's, middle-class schools taught a range of academic subjects, including math, English, history, geography, science, and Latin, or a modern language. They fed into the idea of academic learning as a mark of a well-heeled middle class, he said last night. The Tories then attempted to impose these middle class values by introducing a traditional subject-based curriculum in 1988. But this alienated many youngsters, especially from disadvantaged backgrounds, he claimed. See, this is all the, the nonsense is when you feed up to the reasons to justify what they're doing. But let's be honest, when governments start to indoctrinate them into the social values of a new system, and that's what it is. It's a system that's not here yet, but is coming up. The ones that they're going to grow up into. And then you're in big, big trouble. Big, big trouble indeed. And most folk 
as I say, are oblivious to that fact that, that education is a big mover. Lenin talked about it. Marx talked about it long before him. They understood the, the need for the indoctrination process. It starts in, in, in very young children. It's got to be young children. It embeds in their memories and they can't shake it off. It's even make them believe anything. And they're going to. Now I'll go to the, the phones now and we'll talk to Tim in Indiana, I think he is. Are you there, Tim? Yes, I'm here. Hey, yeah, uh, go ahead. Just, just uh, talking a little bit about the education part. Um, I have a niece and uh, I asked her a question about, um, you know, is there, they're actually taking like driver's ed out of, out of at the public schools. And when I, when I first heard about that, I was like, you know what? That, that doesn't make sense. I mean, people drive crazy enough as it is and now the children are going to be, you know, when they get older, they're going to be driving even crazier. But then, like, looking at it and putting things together, like, well, I guess they won't need to drive since no one will probably be on the roads except for the, you know, the elite lead. So. Mm-hmm. But, um, and under get... Agenda 21, it actually says that there will be no private transportation, no public transportation, emergency vehicles only. Yeah, yeah. so it just, it just makes sense. So it's just, like, right there, like you always say. But anyway, get back to, uh, like, what you talking about earlier about the Indiana... Indiana, a uh, uh, little thing going on up north. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in the southern part of the state, and um, this weekend I was driving on the interstate, and they have these little things out there that tell you, you know, you know, traffic, this and that. And I've been kind of like out of out of touch with news, or just out of touch with like the weather because they never really predict it right. But anyway, um, I noticed they said one day it was like a major flooding on 65 road closed to go to Indianapolis, and I'm like, what, what's going on? So a buddy of mine lived up there, and, and where he lives at is, like, all, like, farming. Like, it's, like, the, it's, it's all agricultural. I mean, it's actually a beautiful drive going to now. But mm-hmm. all that just got washed away this weekend. And I'm thinking, like, man, like, he said 12 inches of rain, and I don't know how, 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 how long. But thinking about it, like, dang, man, you know, they're actually, like, doing it. And then to make it ironic, and what a coincidence to have all those people, all those military guys just, up yeah. in that area, you know, so... But it mm-hmm. just makes sense, man. You put it all together. But then you can't, you know, I'm at work thinking about this, reading all this stuff in the paper, and I'm thinking, like, man, you know, I can't. I want to say, hey, man, you know, you know, they're actually mm-hmm. probably doing this. But, you know, you, you feel like you, you kind of have to live in your mind because if you do say stuff like that, people look yeah. at it like you always say, like you're crazy or whatever. But it's so blatant when you say, when you actually do the, the, the searching and then find the things that they always talk about, like they own the weather and, yeah. Hey, you know, we're going to run this system here. We're going to run, you know, a, a training program. And all of a sudden, the same the same week they do it, the latter yeah. part of the weekend, they have uh, 12 inches of range, which, they, which they've never had, and, and it totally washes out all agriculture in our state. So, you know, yeah. it's just it's ironic, man. And it's just it it's is. funny and it's so blatant. Yeah. So. But anyway, just those observations, wanted to throw out there, and uh, that's about mm-hmm. it. So, Well, thanks right. for calling. Hey, no problem. But it's true, yeah, it's true enough. Um, we're, it's, we're living in Disneyland. There's so much high technology in use. It's, it's uh, quiet weapons for silent wars, or silent weapons for quiet wars. And they signed the Treaty of the United Nations on weather warfare, which meant they could do all of this. They signed the fact they could create tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, droughts, whatever. You don't sign treaties unless you already have the ability to make it happen. And this is child's play today. But yeah, you, you just can't, out of all the places they could have had a flood, why would it fit right in with this particular exercise coming along? It's impossible otherwise. 
Now we've got Chris on the line. Are there, Chris? Yeah. How are you? Not so. Where are you calling from? Um, I'm calling from Hawaii. Oh, you're from Hawaii. Okay. I wonder what the HI was there. Yeah, I thought it was said hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, from Hawaii, it's aloha. <laughs> yes, that's hey, I, right. I, I was listening to you today on Alex Jones's show, and and um, a topic got brought up, and it wasn't discussed much. That was pretty intriguing to me because I've done some research on it, and I was wondering if you could. Um, expand upon um, L. Ron Hubbard and his connection to the CIA? Because it's, yeah. it's always fascinating me how you have a popular culture guy who starts mm-hmm. off as a, a science fiction writer as, as science yeah. fiction is taking off and next thing you know he's developing some pretty nefarious <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you, you find that, you see, Britain has admitted that Alistair Crowley who started off one of the, the, the first major 20th century occultic, or at least made it very popular, the Ordo Templi Orientis. And that was a, a Masonic organization, and even though they tried to deny it, uh, he has his own book out, Huxley, uh, not Huxley, but um, uh, you, you can see him with his own Masonic regalia all dressed up with the apron and everything else. Uh, but MI, uh, MI6 and 5 are already admitted uh, the Crowley worked for them. So he's a, a guy sent out into the world to create mystery and illusion. That's the old term that they use. And they, they do this in every generation to give us the mystics to follow because it's part of culture creation and control. And they wanted to kick off what they call a new age and mainly to attract youngsters in. And uh, Crowley, I think it was even a cousin to Hubbard. They were, they were related in some way. And we, we know that they met on, on uh, some cruises as well, ships. So they, they definitely kept in contact with each other. And um, one goes off to do one part of the agenda, one goes off to the other, and, and they're very similar. All these agendas end up on the same path. All the New Age agendas, doesn't matter what name it's given, or group or sect, uh, end up along the same road of a New World Order where each member thinks they're going to be part of it and they're going to come through as part of, of the, the chosen or elite. Yeah, and it doesn't work ask, out that way. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Okay, there, there's obviously a, um, a conspiracy involved and there's many, many families and groups that are involved in this. Mm-hmm. Who are some prominent people that have been deep inside this that have actually come out and gone against it and been dissenters and tried to expose it? Because, I mean, where I'm mm-hmm. coming from is I rem- uh, remember reading a book. Are you familiar with a... Uh, uh, Monsignor Hugh Benson, who was back in the early, I guess the late 1800s, early 19, the, the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, and he, he yeah. wrote a book called Lord of the World, and he was apparently the, the son of the Archbishop of Canterbury, who was really in with uh, all these families that were in the Fabian uh, socialist yeah. movement. Yeah. And it, it seems right. like there, there were some great dialogues that went on back in the early 1900s between guys like G.K. Mm-hmm. Chesterton and H.G. Wells, where they yep. debated this stuff out in the open. Oh, you, yeah. you, actually, you can actually get the lecture. I've got books of their, of their talks that they held at the Fabian Society and all the different speakers, yeah. But, yeah, it, 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 it's amazing when you actually see that this was discussed, and, and not only discussed, but it was debated. And, and you know, it tend, I, from the viewpoint I come from, it's a Catholic point of view, and it seemed like there was a group of Catholic intellectuals mm-hmm. and Christian intellectuals that were debating these guys in the open, talking about this stuff. And it, it seemed to me like 
guys like H.G. Wells and the Huxley's net were just so arrogant about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but their attitude was it doesn't matter what you do, whether you expose it, we are going to achieve what we want. There's no doubt. They were absolutely confident back then. And the reason they were so confident, even guys like Wells, is because he was, he was shown uh, archives of, of the histories. He was shown um, the data they'd already collected on humanity and psychology and so on, and how societies are created and moved and changed and so on. So, so he, had no, he had no doubt whatsoever. He knew that they had the strings of the media uh, firmly in a grasp back in his day, and that they could do it. They were all absolutely constant. Plus, they had the okay of those who ruled and owned uh, Britain and other countries behind them. They knew that. Well, I would just like to suggest to your readers, if they could ever get a copy of that book, Lord of the World, by his name is uh, Monsignor Hugh Benson, it's an eye-opener to see the stuff that he talked about that would be coming about. And, of course, it was in a, in a Christian point of view, talking about the Antichrist and how things might develop. And he, the things that he talked about in that book, about how they would incorporate euthanasia and yeah. an individual would be raised up as as a political figure and how he would sweep across with popular support, it, it's pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, even at that time, in those days, only a few people who had access to some of this material could even understand what was happening. There were very few even then and get access to the meetings so that they could speak. Today, you can't even get access to the meetings. You're not allowed in. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I always tell people to, to try and look for books written around the 1800s, uh, early 1900s. After World War I, everything started becoming censored, rewritten, and uh, really took off after World War II until most of the stuff you read is, is, is just propaganda from one side or another. Well, did you believe that, that L. Ron Hubbard was, I mean, he, was he connected with the CIA and some, a lot of these? Um... I have no doubt. Anyone who changes society especially um, in what's loosely called the New Age-type phenomena. Anything to do with social change on a big scale is authorized to do so. They're put out and authorized to do so. If you're not authorized, they'll come and do a Waco on you. Do a what? They'll do a Waco on you. (laughs) Yeah, it's strange when you see how how tied in Scientology is to Hollywood and how it, it shapes people's perceptions yeah. and, and, and they warm their way in and it seems like they have a lot of influence in Hollywood uh, big time and they, they're so crazy they, they can, they're always suing people that speak out against them well, they're, 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 they're psychotic I mean some of the things that I've seen on the internet with these uh-huh. uh, people that, I guess there was a guy from the BBC that just tried to do a documentary on it and, I mean you talk about a private intelligence service trying to intimidate people Mm-hmm. It, it was mind-blowing. Yes. They're well-protected, well-funded, and they have their part in the agenda. Because even the, even the culture-creating industry has to have its own little religion to keep them in line. And you're either in it or you're out. And that's how things work in this world. Um, they, they give a, a particular type of New Age belief to every different section of society for, for what's coming up, you know. Well, I appreciate the work you do. I'm, I'm a short-time listener, but I'll be continuing to listen more. It's fascinating. Thanks for calling in. All right. Thank you. Bye now. And 
it's also interesting too that the connections between Crowley and uh, and Hubbard and uh, another member too uh, that that happened to start off what became the eventually blossomed into NASA uh, and he started his own Masonic group as well. There were three of them, uh, but all came from the same source the, the, from Crowley initially and then blossomed. And this is what they do. You'll find them, they're all into the same particular Masonic-type group, and they blossom off in branches, specialized branches with their own own directorate, their own, their own agenda to fulfill. Now we'll go to, we've got Robin in California. Are you there, Robin? Yeah, hi, Alan. Um, I have a question for you, please. Yes. Um, it's regarding um, who the elite, uh, our very top ruling elite, who do they think they are? And specifically, do they are, do they believe that they're descended from fallen angels that are mentioned in the second chapter of Genesis? I mean, or is that? I mean, I take that as an allegory. But how do the ruling elite? Does that have any meaning to them? Some of them, they're, they're allowed to believe in a sense what they wish. Although they all, they're all unanimous that they are uh, gods in their own right because they have uh, such power over life and death over so many millions of people. But you'll find in some of their earlier writings that they do believe that they are the rebels. And that ties in with, of course, fallen angels. And they do believe that um, the reason for their genealogy and, and their massive inbreeding was to do with when they were first placed here on Earth. And I'll, I'll go into this very quickly uh, after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt cutting through the Matrix. And I'll answer that question by Robin from California very quickly. Uh, it doesn't do it justice, mind you, but I'll try and bring it into a, a, a minimal answer. The, they say in the ancient writings that those that were cast here, because they'd come from this, they're closer to this other world or dimension or heaven, uh, they had powers with them, initially very strong powers, and there were humans already here, but they didn't think they were good enough, the bodies to inhabit. So they, being spirit, they and powerful, they force matter to create the first bodies that they themselves occupied. And then, and then after time, they started to inbreed with the humans, began to lose those powers, and hence the need to start taking genealogies and try to get back to inbreeding, to get back to the, to the, the special bodies that they first had. That's supposedly the, the, the whole purpose of, of um, genealogies. Uh, it's so important to these people, try to regain the powers. And, and again... It's interesting to look at all, long before Judaism and, and Hebrewism came along, you had the same stories in all religions, ancient religions, of this particular fall or imprisonment of these particular beings. And uh, their vow was always to, to, to recreate the world and everything in it. Everything in it was imperfect, so they wouldn't make it perfect in their point of view, which meant to serve them. And it's so interesting that that agenda right up to the present day has never changed they're, they're, go they're going straight ahead with the same thing e even so far as to recreate a perfect human race to serve them meaning dumbed down, silly but very efficient uh, and probably programmable very instantly pro programmable 
and through science they're actually going to achieve this so people can take it or leave it as they wish but these are the ancient legends and even in the Hebrew myths and legends they talk about uh, the hill that they first lived on and it fits in with the same Greek stories of, of, of Mount Olympus and there's other ones there's Parnassus and so on uh, where these gods lived but eventually they were attracted down over the ages and inbred with the people because the people down below were very sensuous having good time and all the rest of it but, but a small cadre was left and they became the Olympians as they called them and these were the staunch ones who who eventually kept going down through the centuries with their offspring holding on to power and acquiring more and more power and dominating the world these are their old legends that they used to write about in the elite's books in the 1800s so it's up to the people if they want to believe it or not but there's no doubt at all at the top of this we have an incredible incredible evil and this evil understands humanity perfectly so perfectly well uh, that, that, that sometimes you have to say wait a minute is it just human scheming that's bringing all this about we know there's, there's workers making it happen but the coordination is so perfect in every facet of society and they never do it something prematurely they, can, they work in centuries you've got to ask yourself what's behind all of this we know where it's going we know where it's going they've told us where it's going in their own publications but what's behind it that's the big one and it's not a pleasant thing to, to think about now I think the end's coming up so I can't get to Rodney in New Brunswick and here we are on a thundery rainy day in Ontario, Canada and from this place it's good night from Hamish and myself and may your God or your gods go with you